Embedded in the Market. Sponsored by Tokyo. Hi there, and welcome to Embedded in the Market. Today, I'm with Patrick White, our sales lead for the UK, but to his friends, he's called Patch. Say hi to the folks, Patch. Thanks for having me, Frank. It's a pleasure to be here. I know that you are on the ground. I mean, you're in the trenches talking to people day after day. What is the general idea that people have about embedded finance? I think at this point, embedded finance in itself needs a little bit of a clearer definition. We've been playing around in what has been described as embedded finance 2.0, which we'll all know as the BNPL, Klarna, Starbucks Pay, etc., that essentially has facilitated the buying process for B2C, so business to consumer. We're now entering into what I had a discussion with uh, someone at the Embedded Finance event in London uh, last year. They described it as Embedded Finance 3.0, where we're now going to focus on the business-to-business side of, simply put, embedding financial services into a business where that isn't their primary focus. That's a lot of technical info. That's a lot of jargon. How do you deal with that with people who may not be the technical lead for what we're offering, for example, or what other companies are offering? How do you deal with people who may not have the same vocab that you do? I think it's a really good point. And it's one that I've become acutely aware of, especially this year. I've had the pleasure in in my career of focusing and working solely in tech but within different, different sectors. I've done human resources technology, done telco technology, done wealth management technology, and now financial technology. The hardest of them was wealth management technology. In similar way that the legal uh, bodies have legalese, they have their own dictionary of terms. And being able to feel like an insider or actually integrate that group means that you need to learn that vocab, you need to understand what it all means. And this is the trap that we're falling into a little bit here with technology especially when we are going out and we are providing embedded finance into this, as I mentioned, the 3.0, the B2B sector, where it's non-financial businesses. How are we talking about it without confusing them, without using jargon, without using terms that for us absolutely fine with working within the fintech space, it can make sense. We want to keep it as simple, as layman's as possible so that they can be fully brought into the embedded finance world so that they can understand exactly how it's going to benefit them. And I think that this is arguably one of the biggest challenges that we're experiencing at the moment, not only because even within fintech, we're trying to make sense of it, but also how do we get that clearly through to them without putting too much jargon out there. And just on a day-to-day basis, how do you do that? Personally, what I mean is, how do you contact people and get them on board with at least a basic understanding of what the concept is? It's challenging. <laughs> it's challenging. And, it, it, you know, as a salesperson, the last thing you want to do is walk in there and start speaking jargon and think that that's what they want to hear. For me, to go back to your question, for me, it's stepping back and saying, how can we identify, firstly, the challenges that they're experiencing that we may be able to support them with? Right. When we know how embedded finance is going to work for them, it's stripping it back to very simple terms around linking their challenges with the value of embedded finance, i.e. being able to talk about diversifying revenue streams by offering new lending products. How do you talk about that in, in its simplicity when, you know, the day to day, it becomes a little bit of a challenge. So this is something that I'm, I'm working on 
quite a lot is and and a really good way is you know spending time with my grandmother for example and being able to explain <laughs> some of these concepts and being able to sit there and say does that make sense no if it doesn't make sense then let's go one layer deeper now i'm obviously that's that's complete hyperbole but the reality is that we we don't want to be we want to help them really understand the value but how they're going to understand the value if they're not understanding the the jargon now going back to something that you said that was interesting you mentioned the challenges facing the companies that you approach mm -hmm. and diversifying revenue streams may be one certainly although that's you know it's kind of an opportunity Mm -hmm. um, so what are some of the challenges facing the companies that someone like you is trying to address? Sure. And diversifying revenue is definitely an opportunity. Uh, I'd agree with that. But it's also when I've spoken to clients before who have been told to uh, double revenue within the next year, for example, then that in itself is the challenge. That's so a challenge. That's a challenge. Uh, but then being able to diversify the revenue to do that. Now there's the opportunity. The other ones that have kind of come into the frame are uh, competition, right? Mm -hmm. uh, there's also a big part is the shift in, uh, in expectations from, from the customers as well, from their customers. So how do we accommodate to an increasingly digital world? And then another one will be the internal management as well of, of cash flow. And this, this is one that definitely piqued my interest quite a lot because when we look at, and when I start, first started looking into it, was Sainsbury's, for example. Okay. So if you think of a big retailer, one of the biggest challenges for the CFO, for example, within the finance team is they operate with anywhere between six to 10 different banks. Everything is a little bit scattered. The ability to be able to reconcile certain, uh, certain part of the finances amongst the, all the different banks is incredibly difficult. Now, if there's the opportunity to create internal banking system that's going to ease that process even marginally, right? Now, whilst that may not be a direct challenge that they've identified, that actually that's something we can educate on the challenge of if you're saving time by reconciling your finances with a single bank account that's embedded into Sainsbury's, for example, mm -hmm. then all of a sudden the opportunity to save time there the CFO, the finance team can spend it elsewhere, which has a, a bigger impact within the rest of the business as well. What do we, or not just we, I mean, I'm talking from, from the perspective of Tokyo because we have our challenges too. Mm -hmm. we, and, and one of our challenges is educating people on this relatively innovative concept of B2B embedded finance because embedded finance has been around since, you know, the Ford Motor Company started offering, you know, lending mm -hmm. in a, way back in the day which was in inserting a financial product into their, into their uh, customer journey, mm -hmm. right? Obviously, there are lots of challenges with getting across a new concept. As part of our daily job here at Tokyo, we want to evangelize embedded finance as much as possible. How do you communicate with people on a day-to-day -day basis at the human level? How do, you, how do you let them know what embedded finance is all about? I think this is a really good question because, again, if I'm, I'm speaking a lot here from a sales perspective yeah. and from early start of my career, you're told to sell the value, uh, understand the challenges, understand the problems and demonstrate value through them. But when those challenges aren't identified, how are you doing that? Because whilst we can demonstrate the value and the example that you mentioned with, with what we're doing here at Tokyo, if they don't know there's a problem yet, we need to drive that awareness. So the first stage for me at the moment is reaching out to people who 
sit within the businesses that we believe can benefit and can really see the value of what Tokyo provides, right? And it's being able to then, honestly, at a first level, find time to speak with them, just to hear whether it's something that, that they're thinking about. If they're thinking about it, how are they thinking about it? To tie a lot of this together, it's how are they talking about it as well? Because if we can get to speaking their language, where they might be talking about micro lending, uh, we're talking about embedded credit, like actually we're talking about the same thing, but one term could scare them away. So finding 15 minutes, 30 minutes, whether it be virtually or over a coffee, to just hear a little bit more about sharing the topic, but hearing a little bit more about how they're talking about it. And then one of the big parts that, that I, we're seeing, or we want to be seeing a lot more of is bringing these people together in some kind of forum, whether that be you know, doing, doing a casual round table, because there are a lot of consultancies out there that are specializing in this topic of embedded finance. They've got the knowledge, they've got the, the respect, you know, really? the, and I think that it's, it's at the forefront now of their minds, which means that if we can get everyone together and start talking about it, it helps evangelize is a word you just used and, and educate as well, I think is the really important part. So here's a question for you then. I'm thinking of this because of what you just said, the way that you're approaching it is as sort of a discovery journey along with someone else to figure out, do these things fit together? I'm going to listen to your challenges and figure out whether we can offer you a solution, hmm. right? Which is, which is fine. Are there companies that can't benefit from embedded finance? We're going to find out. <laughs> you know, it's, it's difficult to say at this point of, you know, I've, again, I've worked in technology for, for seven to eight years now. That's seven to eight, not 78 years. Yeah. You, you can't push a uh, square peg into a round hole, right? So often you see companies do that because they think, oh, well, everybody can use our technology, but that's not the case. That part of the educational process, that part of the discovery, as you said, it's all a journey. And I think that's really important in sales. And it's most importantly, listening to the, the other person. You said it earlier as well, on a personal level, we've got to remember that we're just, just having conversations with people. And if it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. And ultimately that is, that is my process at the moment. And that is our process here as well is, is going out and identifying, oh, actually, you know, we have managed this with certain companies, then let's go for similar looking companies. Way back in the day, almost 78 years, <laughs> not seven to eight, almost 78 <laughs> years of my career, uh, I knew a, a sales guru who was, uh, he was almost revolutionary at the time, and I'm talking about the 90s, because that's precisely what he would do. He would have conversations with prospective customers, prospective partners, and he would sometimes tell them, to my surprise, yeah, I don't think you guys are ready for us yet. I think that in order to be ready for us, you should have this and this and this. If you're working towards A and B, that would make sense. Why don't you give me a call when you have all of this done, when you have your ducks in a row? And again, to my surprise, they would. Mm. They would call him back. They would call him back and say, hey, listen, we thought about what you said and we really appreciate your input. These are the challenges we face, but we've gotten these things in order. Let's talk. And then he would make a sale. I think you, you've touched on something really importantly, really important, sorry, there. From a sales perspective, we're now really in an era of consultative selling. And that's a point that I probably should have brought up earlier is the role that I now play here is being a matter expert whilst that's an ongoing process sure 
that sitting down with these people from businesses, individuals, whether they be you know, revenue specialists, digital transformation specialists um, within the finance departments of these businesses, it's making them feel like one, it's it's in the best intention that we're having this conversation. And it's actually really trying to identify whether there is a solution, i.e. what I'm providing, or what we're providing to get to help them. And your sales guru was doing exactly that because at the point of saying this isn't right for you, it's about creating that trust, creating that confidence that you need to make sure all the ducks are in, in the right row and that it is the right time to then to then pursue something that is going to be beneficial because if at risk of not having those ducks in the row then all of a sudden it won't have the same benefits and then that can create more of a negative effect of using that technology or using the product or service whatever it may be and and i think that 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 role as consultative individuals now from from the sales community is a really really important one and and as most consultants would be doing should be doing it's listening first. Yeah, I um I have really really soured lately on automated sequences because I receive like twelve a day. Yeah, and you can you you can tell how they're running. It's like okay, got the email, got the LinkedIn, <laughs> got the message, and and I must get like twelve of them a day. Mm. And and from from companies with the best, you know, sometimes they have the best of intentions. They want to sell, and 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 I understand that, but it's 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 gotten to be a little bit heavy. How do you cut through the noise? Yeah, this is this is getting dangerously close to becoming a sales podcast, which, <laughs> which we can do separately. Because I've got I've got plenty well, it's, to it's talk about. It's what you know. Yeah, it is what I know. It is what I know. Uh, yeah, and listen, do you know what the worst part about the automated sequences is? Now they're all being powered by AI, which you know, great for saving time. Don't get me wrong. Let's use AI to to power automation and save time. Remember to always say thank you at the end of your messages as well. It's important, but. The <laughs> the overlords exactly, <laughs> but for me it's it's and maybe this is a background of having worked in account based marketing as well. Is this hyper personalization is so central to them to to people feeling one like they're they're it's going back to that that making it feel like it's right for them, making it feel like they've been handpicked for that sole reason, and the, the reason being that we do the research. We, we look at where they operate, who they are, who the individuals are, why it could be of interest. Because ultimately the days of uh, a spray and pray approach, the shotgun approach, if you will, we've gone way past that now. So what I'll do is carefully curate uh, messages and make sure that there is a personal, personal message within that, make sure that it is targeted to them in the way that they, that they feel valued and they want, it. they want to engage in that conversation, right? A lot of the time, it's just being able to say, let's let's grab that 15, 20 minutes. I can see that you're doing this. We've seen this be beneficial for, for X company. Um, and we believe that the solution could, could drive the same benefits for you as well. So getting rid of that automated process and really starting to focus on them individually. That's a hard job, man. It is. That's uh, a hard job. <laughs> but but this is this is where the the person side of of sales I think is fascinating because again having having operated in lots of different areas of technology you see whether you're selling to a HR professional a wealth management professional or a sales professional the stark difference right if you can start to understand how people will respond to it. I've dabbled in behavioral neuroscience at university. I was only there for a couple of weeks because I 
very quickly understood. I wouldn't understand any of it. It was very scientific, <laughs> very technical. But that 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 passion for how the brain works and how people works then kind of stemmed into it as well. But it is it is tough and it's, it's it takes time, but it's worth it because when you have those conversations and but you kind of have to like people. Yeah, you, have you to, kind of have to like people. You kind of have to like people. You kind of have to build in relationships. I think is one of the most important important pieces, and it goes back to the trust, the confidence, and that's why your sales guru back in back in yesteryear was out there saying no it's not right for you because if they said yeah 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 it's great and it wasn't then that's that's their reputation pretty much done yeah his name was david smith by the way lovely man <laughs> uh way back in the day <laughs> um so yeah i i mean i get it i get uh I, I i get why it's difficult but there are so many there are so many challenges to surmount in the embedded finance space that revolve around people not knowing about the embedded finance space. Mm. What I mean is, sure, there's a lot of, there are a lot of language difficulties in the sense of how things are communicated. People not knowing that they even need it because they don't understand. And one thing in the water though, our CEO said today when I was speaking with him about an interview was one of the biggest things they need to understand is competition. Mm. And you touched upon this earlier, which was in the embedded finance space, there are massive opportunities for companies to begin offering financial products to their customers or to those customer and users or whoever they are. Fine. But we know darn well, looking at the space and at the forecast that we've seen, the reports that are coming out, that this is just going to grow. If people don't necessarily understand it, we urge you from here to get more understanding because we can assure you that your competition does. It's an interesting area because as soon as you say, oh, well, competition x have been looking into it right or are exploring it or have implemented it all of a sudden is prick you've got the early adopters and then you've got those who follow and i think that that's the the real art of really good sales and marketing for a, for a business that is offering something new and having to educate is how are you buying in those early adopters how are you managing to get them on board because ultimately once they do then the rest will as well and that's and that and that's getting them excited yeah. as you said that's getting them excited about something that is i hate the term but it is innovative um i, I don't dislike the word it's just that it's so overused it's like we have a new sock and it's innovative and it's like no no mate uh but but yeah, I mean, getting people excited about a new concept is an, it, it, it's, it, it, it can be challenging. But at the end of the day, as you said, if you like people and you like to establish those relationships, it's well worth it. Mm. Because I've been with clients here in the office and, and been in the meetings. There is genuine excitement because it's like it's like a kid opening up a present on Christmas. It's like I big surprise. I had no idea. Huge surprise. And we spoke about the benefits, the challenges earlier. But if you can sit down with someone who is, for example, a digital transformation or operating within the digital transformation team, where they've been tasked to bring in something new and innovative to help <laughs> drive sales, gather more data, better supply chain uh, processes. And then you're able to sit down and because ultimately without promoting the brand too much of course at tokyo those are some of the benefits is that that we're, we're gathering data that they've never had before we are providing supply chain financing to increase relationships and cash flow we're driving new revenue streams all of these things that as soon as they hear it they think oh wow okay the opportunity is there because that's there that's 
their challenges, their tasks. And as you said, you know, the eyes, the eyes light up and they and they get it. We've got a client that we're that we're in conversation with at the moment. I probably can't talk about that. Actually. No, it's fine. And they, I'll keep it extremely vague, uh, but they, they've got a, a dated system where they were looking for something to transform and offer their clients. Uh, so, I'm going to use the word again, and you're right, we use it way too much, but something that's going to be innovative, something that's going to allow them to, uh, I think it was 2x, I used the same example earlier, but it was multiply their their revenue for, I think it was something for like Q4, Q1, and and also being able to gather back the the deals they were losing. I mean, it was a very commercially driven um, uh, company, but all of a sudden when I saw this, the, the tech team, that their eyes lit up. Because when you don't know something's out there and it responds so well with exactly what you're looking for, you think, oh, right, yeah, we need this. And then the wheels are in motion. But then, again, from a, from a, sales perspective the challenges you've got them bought in how are you getting everyone else from all of the different departments all of the different levels of seniority to say yeah okay this is the right thing when they don't know much about it now that's a whole other whole other challenge yeah yeah that's a that's a that's a very big conversation but at the end of the day i think it's i think it's getting people on board by making sure that they understand how beneficial it is or could be to their firm if it's good for the company it's probably going to wind up being good for you because you know that's profit right (laughs) So, Patch, thank you for joining us today. It's been very informative. We've been all over the map, <laughs> and uh, but but very interesting. Thank you for joining us and for sharing your experiences. Uh, I've had a lovely time. Thanks for coming. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. That's my first podcast. I'm glad it was with you. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> Talk to you soon. <laughs>